0: good morning let's pray shall we heavenly father we ask as we stop to reflect this morning upon trees and fruit and upon good plants and bad That you would give us insight into ourselves into our hearts and minds that you would fill us with your spirit that you would connect us to yourself that we might produce that which you would have us produce and we ask this in jesus name Amen. I want to start this morning telling you about Roger. Uh, Roger's a man that I've I've known for a number of years now. I've changed his name. He, he, you know, we kind of come in contact with him still, but uh, he's, he's a real man. There's a real, real conversations. Really, this last year we've had many more opportunities to share the gospel with him. I've known him for a long time, but this year in particular, to explain to him the reality that the Bible sets out, right, we're sinners, we need salvation, Jesus died in our place, we can be forgiven if we trust in Him and everything will be right with God, we're assured of eternity and heaven. Now, Roger has a problem with that. Every every time, every single time I've told him the Gospel and we've had three or four of these conversations now, we always get to the same problem. And he says, if it's true that you can be saved by faith alone that is just trusting jesus that's all you have to do then that means you can do whatever you want now roger is a moralist right he 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 firmly believes that it's about doing good about being a good enough sort of person you've got to earn your way to whatever might come next and that because he himself is a reasonably good sort of chap then he's hopeful that he'll be okay So every time we get to saved by faith alone, there is nothing we can contribute, exactly the same problem comes up again. The gospel, it seems, makes you lawless. It puts you outside of the law. There's no longer any commandment, any imperative, there's no longer any reason to do anything other than whatever it is that you want. Just go and sin, because you're going to be forgiven anyway. Roger's horrified, to be honest partly because it means that there's no bar you see if there's a bar then I know what to aim for if, if I know that this is how good I need to be to get to heaven then all I need to do is to get to that good maybe a tiny little bit more give myself a buffer right just in case I occasionally slip up but that's what I need to do if there is no bar then how can I live a good enough life now I'm glad Roger has that problem Because it means that he is understanding the scandal of the gospel. I mean, it is scandalous. He's right. It is ridiculous that you can be anyone and have done anything at all in the past and have it all forgiven. What a crazy idea. What a wonderful idea. I'm glad he's got that problem. But it does leave you with the question, doesn't it? Can you just do anything? I mean, is that what we're preaching? Is that what we're teaching? We come up the front, we say, you're saved by Jesus alone, through faith alone, therefore, do whatever you want. Now, that's the question that we're going to reflect on today. However, before we get into the details of today's passage, I want to spend some time just to reflect a little bit on the picture. Now, if you remember last week, uh, Joe was talking about freedom for us, right? Freedom, in chapter 5 and verse 1, "...for freedom Christ set us free..." stand firm and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery, right? We've been freed from the law and we've been freed for, we read in verse 13, love. The picture Joe used for us was that, the train, right? It runs the best on the tracks, which is very helpful. The picture today is fruit and trees. Jesus said in our Matthew 13 passage, by their fruit you will know them by what comes out of them, is what you will see, whether they belong to the old way or whether they belong to me. The Christian is somebody who's been freed from the law, but in that freedom, in that forgiveness, they've been transformed, turned into something else. I want to show you a picture. Now, a little bit of a trigger warning for you. If you're a gardener, um, this picture may produce shock and horror. Are you ready for it? Right. Anyone know what that is? That's a weed. that's a thistle. He's a, a close-up, right? That's a thistle. Now, I'm not much of a gardener, but gee, I'm good at growing these. I can grow thistles all day long. I can grow some big ones. We had one the other day, it was taller than Oliver. Right? I, I mean, I'm a champion at it. Now The picture in the Bible of us before we came to Christ is that we were thistles. We, we were rubbish plants unwanted, unloved, unproductive. In fact, it's worse than that, not only were we rubbish plants, we were rubbish plants planted in rubbish soil, toxic soil, poisonous soil, fed sewerage. Now, what sort of fruit is this plant going to produce? Well, if you go looking for bananas, you're going to be disappointed. Or maybe you're just going to be a bit bananas, I don't know which way it goes, right? A thistle bush isn't going to produce anything good. Here's, here, there you go, there's the fruit of a thistle plant. I don't know if you've ever let one grow long enough for it to produce fruit, then this is what you might It kind of has a sort of beauty to it, but it's not good. I mean, those are spikes growing out of it, right? That's, that's not a delicious fruit that you want to go and partake and enjoy of. This is what we were, A plant that was in soil that was horrible, fed things that were destructive, growing fruit that is no good for anything. But you know what's interesting? Because you take a thistle bush and put it into the best soil you can and feed it good water, good nutrients, and it'll still grow this kind of fruit, it's still rubbish. That's what we were. And then by the work of God, what He does is He changes us completely, right? He turns us into a different kind of plant altogether. Can anyone tell what sort of plant this one is? Anyone? Olives? It's tricky, isn't it? Actually, if I show you the fruit of this plant, you'll know straight away. It's an apple tree. You see the fruit and you go, well, of course, now, of course, the farmer, he knows, he, he knows very well what this is, he deals with it day in, day out. But the fruit comes along and you say, ah, I know what that is. I see this plant. It's growing, it's beautiful, it's strong and healthy and it is producing wonderful fruit. Now, such a powerful, such a simple picture, isn't it? This is the picture, the difference of the before and the after, it's that simple. Before Jesus, the plant that could only produce thistles, only produce thorns, only produce rubbish. After Jesus turned into a plant, the fruit of which shows you who they are. The Christians, we're not apple trees, we're, um, we're love trees. There you go. We produce love fruit. I don't know what it looks like. <clears throat> you were called to be free. Don't use the opp- freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love transformed, made into a new type of plant, planted in good soil, fed living water such that we are moved to keep the law. It's a very strange difference. The old me was condemned by the law and couldn't keep it. That's what we've been talking about for the last six weeks, whatever it's been, seven weeks. The new me is now transformed so that I keep it from the heart, not saved by the law, not bound by the law, not under the law but want to. There's the picture of the old self, the fleshy me, and the picture of the new self, the spiritual me, no longer producing thistles, but instead producing good fruit. Have a look with me at chapter 5 in Galatians, and verse 16. I hope you've got your Bible handy still. Always a good habit. Chapter 5 and verse 16. As, As he just lays out this comparison between the old and the new. Galatians 5 verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It's very simple, the old me couldn't live the way of the Spirit, could only live the way of the flesh. The new me now has the Spirit working to produce fruit in me, the battle has begun. New DNA, new ground, new nutrients, time to produce some fruit. Now, I want to just work through these two lists that we have, the the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit, briefly, and then we're going to wrap up as we address a couple of questions that will help us to apply it in our lives. So, firstly, let's talk about the works of the flesh, It struck me just the first few verses, first few words. Have a look at verse 19, the works of the flesh are obvious. Interesting way of putting it, isn't it? They're they're obvious, They're, they're visible to us, they're all around us. They're common to us, we know what they are because we have lived them. We know what they are because you just open your eyes and you see them all around you. No one needs to teach you the works of the flesh. The littlest child can already do it. My twins are nearly one, which means that they're fair game for stories now, right? They still can't talk, they still really don't behave in particularly conscious ways and they're already teasing each other. Um, They do what we call tanking because there's two of them and they're sort of just learning to crawl still. So one of them will be lying still and it started with Hazel because Hazel learned to crawl first and she would see Ivy just lying there who couldn't crawl yet and just go and crawl on top of her and then kind of use her as a base to lift herself up, doesn't matter if it's like a head that you're holding down or just like, and poor little Ivy would just be stuck under there, you know, kind of like, "Ah, let me out, let me out. Eventually, Ivy learned to crawl and Ivy then started doing it to Hazel and... They know what they're doing. They crawl onto each other, squash their sibling down, and then look up at you and smile. <laughs> <laughs> look what I just did! <laughs> While their sibling is squirming and yelling and screaming underneath them. They're not even one. The works of the flesh are obvious. If you ever feel like you're not quite sure what the works of the flesh are, just have another look at whatever it is that entertains you from the world. Our entertainment is full of the works of the flesh. It doesn't matter if you watch movies, TV, listen to podcasts, read books, watch the news, play sport, watch sport. It doesn't really matter what your entertainment is. It is full of these things in this list. Now, as we read through this list again, I'm going to make a couple of comments as we go. What I want you to do is to just listen out. See if any of these trigger your conscience. If perhaps you see yourself a little bit too much in this list. The works of the flesh are obvious, verse 19. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. All of this sexual behaviour and activity that's outside of God-given marriage. And it's interesting that he has a couple of different ones, right? Promiscuity, just one after the other, line of sexual conquests. But actually, sexual immorality also covers the the so-called faithful relationship, where it's just one and one, that's all, but outside of the God-given marriage. Pornography, lusting, it covers everything, all kinds of sexual deviance. Idolatry, he says. Greed, there you go, there's Jesus. You You talk about idolatry in our nation today? The endless quest for more. Sorcery. I mean, that's growing. The new age. Sorcery feels like something that belongs to a different part of the world or a different age. And yet it's all around us. The quest for mysticism, for the supernatural, for the elemental forces of the world, for spirits and spiritism and powers beyond us. hatreds strife jealousy outbursts of anger how many of us have no control of our temper how many of us just seek to create trouble it's strange isn't it because paul hasn't paul just had an outburst of anger do you remember last week? Do you remember what he, Paul wished would happen to these false teachers at Galatians? Like, Do you remember what he wanted from them? I'll give you a hint. It was more than just a little snip, right? I want to go the whole way and emasculate. Just chop it all off already. Was it? What about how come Paul gets to be angry if this is works of the flesh? Now you got to remember that God's anger is different to ours. God gets angry, but His anger is slow. In James chapter 1, he writes like this, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for human anger doesn't accomplish God's righteousness. Our anger is quick, hot, usually unrighteous. We get angry over the wrong things and we don't get angry about the right things. was the last time you got angry? You just had that flash of... Mm. happens to me every time when I get cut off in traffic every time there's just like oh, mm. why why on earth am I getting angry about that what a dumb thing to get angry about right but, but it's this sense of unjust it's unrighteous of him he's infringed upon me what, what why am I getting angry about that but I don't get angry when I should you see a Christian brother and sister just wallowing in sin, and you're like, ah, oh, well, shucks. Now, there's something to get angry about. We get angry, but we don't get angry the right way. Selfish ambitions, he says. Now, there's one that's opposite to our world, isn't it? You got to advance you've got to get yourself ahead doesn't matter who you have to trample on to get there dissensions factions being argumentative causing division wherever you go just doesn't matter who you're talking to it seems that you end up in an argument envy drunkenness carousing and just in case you were like Phew, we got to the end of the list and i'm not on it <laughs> and anything similar Go and find anything else that fits under these categories, and put it in there as well. I I, I was struck. We're at the uh, end of the year where schoolies happens, right? You know, when all the the younguns finish high school, and what do they do? Well, this. (laughs) And our culture says, "Wow, what a wonderful thing!" The works of the flesh are obvious. How's your conscience going? Now, do you notice these verses, they're not instructions. Often when you have a list like this, you expect it to be, don't do these things. This doesn't say that. This isn't a set of commands. What this is, is a warning. At the end of verse 21, I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This isn't a, oh, if you're doing it, stop it. This is a, if you're doing it, be very careful. What sort of fruit are you producing? I mean, if it looks like a thistle and it talks like a thistle and it smells like a thistle and it pricks you like a thistle, hard to call it a banana. I don't know how thistles talk. Quacks like a duck. Anyway, it's a warning passage, right? If you're sitting there feeling uncomfortable if you're sitting there feeling like your conscience right now is poking at you saying hey well we'll come we'll come back to that we'll come back to that question what do i do what do i do let's talk instead about the fruit of the spirit for a moment let's go down to verse 22. now again this one doesn't start with it's obvious Isn't that interesting? The works of the flesh, they're obvious, we know them, we can see them. The fruits of the Spirit, they're not quite so obvious, are they? The works of the flesh are works, they're actions, they're concrete, they are things that happen and things that we do. Whereas the fruit of the Spirit, it's kind of character, it's who you are rather than what you do. You see, at least in part, we're familiar with the works of the flesh because it's what we do and we can see it around us. The only person who has perfectly lived out the fruit of the Spirit is the Lord Jesus. It's much harder to see Him and and, and watch what He does and imitate what I mean. We we can, to some extent, with the record we have of His life. It's hard to be concrete with this. If you come out of today saying, well, okay, I want to live out the fruits of the Spirit, but what am I supposed to do Well, you kind of got to work that one out for yourself. You be the right sort of person. You have the kind of character that God wants to develop in you, and the what should I do will work itself out. Now, as I read through this list, what I want to do is, and again, I want you to try and recognize yourself in it. If you're anything like me, my temptation is to try and see where do I fail. That's my temptation. To read that list and go, oh, I don't do that one. I don't have enough of that one. Just put a pause on that one. I want you to try and see yourself in it. We're not good at it. We don't like talking ourselves up. That's like Aussies. That's like, no. But it's okay. Just be positive for a bit. Reflect on yourself and see the work that God has done. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Other person-centeredness. A desire to do good. others joy not just happy okay it's it's not just i'm always painting the smile on and i think the best synonym i could come up with is glad glad's a different word to happy glad is being able to to appreciate to be thankful for what's happening to recognize even when things are really bad right even when you're sad that there are things you can thank God for, that the circumstances that God has created for you are good. That's joy. Glad in what God has achieved for you. Positive about what He has in store for the future. Joy, peace and patience, long-suffering, able to endure, content, not railing against life and against God. It's kind of the opposite of the the anger. It's a slow fuse in your life. Kindness and goodness. Are you a helpful, beneficial person? I wonder, do the people around you that you know, are they better off because you are in their life? There's a kind person, a good person. Faithfulness, someone who is trusting and trustworthy. Trusting, you yourself depend upon God, you self-trust and trustworthy. Others know that you are somebody to be depended on. Your word is good and your actions follow through on it. Gentleness, he says. Now, there's one that's not valued by our society, isn't it? Gentleness. Again, it's the opposite of that harshness. Gentleness. Parents, be gentle with your children. Masters, be gentle with your servants. Young men, be gentle. Now, this doesn't mean weak, by the way. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to pump iron and get big guns. That's not what gentleness is. Gentleness is how do you use that strength? Be strong, by all means. I try and teach Oliver. He's five he will one day be much stronger than his sisters and from day one the line has been, Oliver use your strength to do good. That's gentleness. Self-control, he says. Again, the opposite of the lusts, the passions, the weaknesses, the anger. The law, he says, is not against such things. It is, you do this and what law will condemn you? In, in fact, it's even more than that, if you be this sort of person, you will fulfill the law, that law that asked of you to love others. Do you see yourself in these verses? I hope you do. I hope you do, it's, it's a hard exercise, we don't like to talk ourselves up and think good of ourselves. Well, it's also worth remembering, fruit takes time. I, I planted a, a dwarf lime tree a few years ago. I thought, we, we had a spare kind of space in one of our planters. We were at our, what is it, Tim's Gardening Centre down in Campbelltown. Good produce, a little bit overpriced. Anyway, there's my review. Uh, and uh, I thought, well, let's put limes. That's great, right? You can do stuff with limes. Let's plant a lime tree. And for the first two years, my lime tree grew nothing but spikes. It was very weird. Like, what have I planted? You're like, these really sharp, spiky things. I'm like, what a, what's the point of this tree? But eventually pruning and weeding and watering the right nutrients and it settled itself and it started to bloom and we took care of the leaf miners we had to get the pyrethrum oil and spray that all over it and a few years later the crop started to grow they're really nice limes. it can take time but over the years as a christian you expect to see growth Now, I want to, by way of application, round out with two different questions because the first one is to ask, well, hang on a second, how does fruit grow? If I'm supposed to see the fruit of the Spirit in my life, how, how do you actually develop this? Where does it come from? And the second question is, well, what happens if I'm not seeing fruit? Or to put it another way, should I expect to be perfect as a Christian? Is it God's work? Is it mine? How does fruit grow? First question, Who does the work? Is it God who does the work and we just let go and let God, as uh, has been said before, or is it all my work and it depends utterly on my efforts, such that if I'm not working right or not working hard enough, there will be no fruit? Is it God's work or is it my work? And the answer is yes! (laughs) Of course it's both. It's born out of the work of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who gives new life. The Spirit is the one who changes our DNA, no longer thistle, become a love tree. The Spirit is the one who changes and transforms and redirects our hearts and our minds and our emotions and all of our lives towards God. And yet, consistently through the Bible, the way that God works is through the utterly normal, mundane everyday mechanisms for growth the renewal of your mind think rightly the pricking of your conscience listen to what god says the effort that we put in strive the friends we have around us right? the, the, those christians god puts in our lives we're going to help us grow and develop These are the normal ways of human growth. Have a look at verse 24 with me. Verse 24, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Right, you're alive by the Spirit, the Spirit's transformed you, so walk in that direction. Live by the Spirit. Take action. I'll, I'll, I'll jump very briefly into next week, right? Sorry, Joe, but I'll, I'll not steal too much thunder. Look down at chapter 6 and verse 7. Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, he will reap. The one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. The one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time. It's a very simple idea. Work towards the things of the Spirit, and that's what you will receive. Keep going towards the things of the flesh, and why would you expect to receive anything else? Strive, work, pray. The Spirit sets the direction and the purpose of our life to produce this sort of fruit. I wonder, is that how you think of your own life? Hmm. The the purpose of what God is doing in you. It's so easy to get caught up in things outside us. My my purpose in life is to get the right house at the right time, to be able to retire comfortably and finally enjoy the things I want to do. The purpose in life is to set my family up well enough so that they can succeed. My purpose in life is to get to the top of my career so that I can have fame for we, it, well, all of these sorts of things. We, when was the last time that you stopped and thought, actually, what God wants from me is that I be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self controlled? That's, that's a prayer that God would love to answer. It struck me praying with my kids. It was full of my kids for some reason. There you go, it's one of those weeks. That so often we pray for the things of life, good rest, whatever's happening at school, whatever the drama's with their friends. Are. So rarely we stop and pray for this, Just what God wants for us, that our hearts would be right. If fruit, a tree to produce fruit, it needs four things. Have a guess at what they are. What four things does a plant need to produce fruit? Water. That's one. Sorry, motorbike went past, I didn't hear. Thank you. We got one light or sun. Very good. Soil, yeah, nutrients and air. Right, for ni- nitrogen, mostly, but they need the air, right? Those, those four things. You take the, Is this where this picture is so powerful? You just pick those four things and go and have a look through the Bible. What, what do we end up with? Right, this air, the air, the breath of God, the Word. In the beginning, God breathed and creation existed. The Word of God, His breath that comes out. We need water. Jesus says to the woman at the well, you want that water? You come to me and I will give you living water. We need the right nutrients. Not by bread alone, but by every word of the mouth of God. Be in the light, as He is in the light. You see, in one sense, the work we need to do to produce this fruit is just to plug ourselves into God. The one from whom the fruit will come. If you're feeding yourself on poison, if you're going back to that toxic ground and sipping of the sewerage that the devil has left lying around, why do you expect to produce good fruit? If your mind is filled with the rubbish, the refuse of the old way, if your practices are ingrained into the life of the works of the flesh, why are you expecting good fruit to grow? On the other hand, if you are alive by the Spirit, and you walk in step with the Spirit, then we ought to see it come. Which leaves us with the question at the very end, well, what if it doesn't? What if you always just seem to lose the fight with sin? Okay, or should we expect, as Christians, to be perfect? Should we expect that because it's the work of God, that overnight the works of the flesh will be gone and all that will be left is the fruit of the Spirit? Now, again, I mean, in part it's it's pretty straightforward. Paul has no expectation of perfection. Right, verse 26, let us not become conceited. He's got instructions for us. He teaches us how to live by the Spirit, to make effort, to strive. You wouldn't need to do that if you were made perfect overnight. No, the picture is of the crucifixion, verse 24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's not the end of the war, that's the start of the war. That's the moment of standing and taking your side, of saying, I am no longer that person. Old David was crucified, publicly executed. The old me is no longer me. Who I am now is the new me, alive by the Spirit of God, such that I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do, such that I am at war with the old flesh, as the new Spirit allows. Before I was a Christian, when we were in the world, there was no conflict. You do what you want, that's just it. I mean, constrained by law, there's the place of the law... I don't go around murdering people because if I do, i get in trouble. Like, otherwise, whew, let's just go and play GTA or whatever, run everyone over. But there's law that constrained us, but we do whatever we want. There's no internal conflict. You become a Christian and now that the Spirit of God, in the Spirit of God, we have chosen our side. I stand for God. I am His. I'm His plant, such that what I will produce is His. Now, having said that, we do need to take seriously the warning of verse 21. If all your life produces is thistles, then come back to Jesus. Come for forgiveness. Come for new life. Come for His Spirit. That He might change you. Roger comes and says to me, well hang on David, does that mean I can do whatever I want? Do you know the answer? Yeah. Yeah, of course you can. Because what you want is now shaped by God and no longer by the flesh. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Spirit brings new life to us, who transforms us out of what we were into who you would have us be. We pray in each one of our lives that we would have the joy of seeing you at work and the discipline and self-control to pursue this fruit that you would have us live. Would you make each one of us love trees that fruit gloriously? Amen.